Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of With Sonar. It is Global Supply Chain Week, so we've got a special episode for you today. Very excited to talk about it. Today's theme is CPG Retail Food and Bev, so we are very excited to dive into that and see what the freight markets have to offer, what Sonar is saying, what the data is telling us, what the experience is telling us about those markets and how that world is reacting. Of course, joining me today co-hosting is Tanner DeHart from our customer success team. And along with us, we have a very special guest, the VP of Transportation from Kenco, Dave Kiesling. Uh, Tanner, I'm gonna send it over to you and uh, Dave to introduce yourselves. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, Luke. Welcome, everybody. Global Supply Chain Week is off to a great start, and we have an awesome episode lined up here with Sonar. Um, Dave, how are you? It's uh, It's been a minute since we had you last at the event, so glad to have you back in. Right. Uh, I think the last time I was on was uh, between Christmas, so uh, a lot has uh, changed, right, in the freight market since then, but uh, excited to be here, and uh, Let's uh, jump in and get started. Yeah, absolutely. I think last time you were here with us, we actually kind of threw out some forecasts about what you thought might happen with we the did. direction changing. And I think so far you're you're on point. Um, I got lucky, right? Got uh, lucky, right? Yeah, using sonar. So, uh, Luke, I think the first thing we're going to look at today is is continuing this conversation about outbound volume and what's happening in the trucking market. And Luke, what what's been happening this week so far? Absolutely. So we got to we have to talk about demand. All roads lead from demands, and since today's focus is CPG and retail, right, heavily reliant on the retail or on the consumer. Excuse me. Right. So when we look at this, you know, we've been diving into a lot of the data, and what it's telling us is that demand is starting to curl a little bit further to the downside. Not in an extreme fashion. Not nearly as extreme as we've seen before, but it is starting to take a half step down. Let me just introduce what we're looking at here, and then Dave and Tanner, I'd love to get your thoughts on this, maybe how, you know, Dave, what decisions you're making or how you're communicating this, and Tanner, maybe what some of our uh, other customers are saying. But basically, here's what we're looking at right now. There's a lot on the screen. Ignore everything except for that dark blue line in the bottom right, okay? So this dark blue line right here, that's today. That's where we are year-to-date truckload demand, okay? So that's the volume of tenders that are being requested by shippers each day. So you can see here, we started off the year pretty stable, looked like it was gonna be slightly above or trending slightly above where we were 2019 in the early part of 2020 before the pandemic hit. But now it looks like last couple of days we're starting to curl down a little bit. It's a little too soon to say if that's gonna continue or not, but right now we're still a little bit above uh, 2019 and 2020. And it, you can see right here from the different years that we've had of this index, right? We've, we're definitely way below where we were during the peak of the pandemic but we're still above that bottom of where we were in 2019 and definitely uh, that bottom dip there uh, when the pandemic hit. But what I would say right here is this chart, especially on the CPG and retail side, their demands all driven by us, the consumers. Um, and they're, if consumers are buying less physical goods, right? Remember, they can spend the same amount of dollars, but if that dollar translates to less physical goods, that's less freight that ultimately we're gonna be moving. Um, let me, I guess, Tanner and Dave, I'm going to open this question up to both of you. You know, from a retail and CPG perspective, you know, how do they think about this falling demand? Does that, does that change how they uh, think about logistics going into the rest of this year? I'll start if you want me to. Yeah, absolutely. Right, go for it. Uh, you know, I think uh, uh, one is the, uh, the outbound tender volume, I, I think, is one data point we track on a regular basis, right? And the other thing that we're doing on a regular basis is we're looking at tender acceptance rates. 
So, you know, if the tender acceptance rate is um, extremely high or low, depending on how you look at it, right? If, if out of 100 trucks that are being tendered or loads, 98, 97 are being accepted, um, we're saying that primary tender acceptance is extremely high. And when tender volume overall is falling, obviously there's plenty of capacity. Um, and what we're hearing specifically from our CPG and our food and beverage is just what we were talking about before we came on the show, right? Everybody's got to eat. You know, everybody's got to do personal care. Uh, they do that regardless of what's happening in the overall economy. So that activity is still taking place. But the other physical, durable type goods that don't or, or fluctuate more with changes in inflation in the economy, that capacity is not needed right now. And so there's just a flood on the market of, of, of primary capacity today. And we're seeing on our warehousing side of the business in our durable and our, our consumer goods that you know, our one done, one and done type of purchase, our inventories are, are expanding, right? The, the space in our warehouse is getting very tight um, and we're going into overflow in some areas. So those are the, the things that are happening uh, from a market perspective. Yeah, one thing on the other side of the equation is kind of the, the price of CPG and retail consumer goods, right? So we've seen a lot of, with inflation, food has increased, consumable goods has increased. I mean, really the price of everything has continued to increase. So if demand, if we can get demand to continue to decline, we can get inflation under control. Dave, do you expect retail prices to, to follow that? Do you, do you think that retailers will... You know, you know how they, they weren't giving, you know, as costs were going up, they weren't necessarily passed on the consumer. But do you think as we kind of head back in the opposite direction that retail is a hold on to their margin? Do you think they will pass it off to the consumer? I think it depends on the product. Um, and there's a couple, you know, things that have been uh, reported out uh, in the last really several days around Walmart's inventory, around Home Depot's inventory. Um, and I think you're seeing discounting right now to get rid of inventory. Um, and again, it might depend on whether that's a a consumer durable good or a consumer replenish, you know, or, or an everyday use item. Um, so I, th I think in the short, very short term, you're going to see prices stay relatively flat. But wages are going up. Uh, we can't get enough people, you know, in our warehouses. We're going to automation in, in lieu of having people, uh, you know, that show up that are a traditional warehouse worker. Uh, the price that you have to pay to get a driver or keep a driver, whether you're in the LTL environment or the truckload environment, that, that wage is going up. So I think overall, as it relates to prices around freight and transportation, we're seeing the market adjust back to a normal. And whether the broker isn't making that margin or the individual you know, owner-opera isn't making that margin today that they were making 12, you know, eight months ago, um, I think what you're gonna see is, is, is prices fall in the short term as the inventories get right-sized, and then we're gonna see you know, prices go back up, both from a retailer perspective as well as from a, a transportation perspective. Absolutely, and one thing you mentioned is, is that capacity, right? We have an overflow or overabundance amount of capacity, and the way we watch that is by looking at outbound tender rejections. And I know, Luke, that's something you've also kept a close mm -hmm. eye on. I believe we have the next chart prepared, but looking at that, Luke, from, from your perspective and from Sonar perspective, how can we use this information to understand where that overflow of capacity might be coming from? That's a, that's a really good question. So a lot of that overflow is, is sh it's shifting, right? So what we can see right now, what, what the outbound tenant rejection index tells us, and what we're, which we're going to look at here in a moment, is, is, that, is, is demand flowing to the spot market or is it being covered by those contracted carriers and, and 3PLs? Um, the, more that's, the more that overflows to the spot market, that means that that capacity, that initial capacity that lives in the contract world is not able to handle it as much because there's too much demand relative to their capacity, 
right? And that also tends to drive up a lot of spot rates, which in turn tend to bring up those contract rates with it. And then the same is true in reverse. So what we're seeing on this chart here uh, behind me is actually the last five years of tender rejections and where they have moved uh, over the last five years. You see some ups and downs, and that's part of you know tender rejections, just measuring the pulse and the shifts of the market. Um, but right now, what's really unique, I'm gonna shift over here slightly, we're sitting at just a smidge over three and a half percent. Okay, that's what you see there. What this chart represents is any any red that you see on the chart means that that's when tender rejections were lower than they are today. Any green that you see on the chart is where it was higher than it is today. And the only red you see in the last five years is right there in the middle, which was the initial shutdown there when COVID hit in April of 2020. That's the only time tender rejections or capacity has been looser than it is today relative to demand. Um, and that's, that is almost, I would say, uncharted territory in some regards, right? We haven't really been this soft before and certainly not for an extended period of time. So it'll be really interesting to see where that goes. Um, a question that, that I would have probably uh, from on your side, actually, uh, Dave, being in a unique position at Kenco, right? You guys do a lot of uh, transportation, but you also have the warehousing side of it. When tenor rejections are this low, does that impact both sides of the business, or is it? Are they? Can they separate themselves a little bit in terms of you know the impact that you guys are seeing uh, when when the market gets this soft? So uh, it impacts the warehouse business in, in a couple ways, right? One is people show up on time. So um, the flow that we're having inbound and outbound from the warehouse has improved. Um, so while we have some capacity challenges in terms of just the overall inventory build with some of our customers in some of our verticals, um, the performance of the warehouse itself and the on-time shipping and the on-time delivery. And, and in fact, you know, I think the, both the two times that I've been on the show, we've talked about, you know, service. Uh, you know, service is finally getting back to where it was pre-pandemic. And, and I think a year ago it was, or certainly 18 months ago, it was just pick it up, right, whenever you can get there. Um, so it's positively impacting us uh, from that perspective. Um, and, and then there's the, you know, what we call defects, right? So anything that could be a defect. So when the primary tender acceptance is close to 100%, the right carrier's showing up, they're showing up on time, they're getting loaded, there's less damage. There's less errors. So from a performance standpoint, it's helping us. Um, I think the other thing is, you know, we look at the volume that's coming in specifically to our West Coast, um, you know, warehouse operations, and it's primarily from imports. And, you know, when there was so much freight out there, capacity chased that freight. Um, and so it went in that direction. And uh, once it got out there, then networks kind of got disrupted a little bit. Um, and what we're seeing is we're having a lot more success with our core carrier program, specifically those carriers that have at least 50 trucks because they like to run in their network, right? And they know where they're going and they've got uh, uh, probably 10 to 15% of their business is backhaul or spot business. And you know, 60 to 70% is really primarily a headhaul lane for them. Um, and using those carriers in a repeated uh, manner, whether that's in our warehouses and on the pickup side or going to our customers, customer locations on the delivery side, it's improved our service. Absolutely. And Dave, you and I kind of talked about this of, of rates continue to drop, contracted and spot rates. Retailers are, are continuing to run RFPs and kind of capture that. 
Are they asking you guys to lock in kind of long-term rates right now? Are they asking for short-term? What, what, what are they asking you guys for? They want to not pay more than the market today. <laughs> <laughs> and they want to know when we hit the bottom before we hit it so that they can lock in uh, for the future. So obviously that's the secret sauce, right, that, that everybody talks about. I, I think one of the things, and again, I mentioned it earlier, is we're back to what's normal profit for, for a trucking company, right? And, and, and what does it cost to run a truck up the road? And, you know, we're getting pretty laser focused in, hey, if you're 70 miles from the closest major market, and we use, you know, sonar data to help with that, right? So we're looking at Atlanta, we're looking at Harrisburg, Detroit, you know, seems to be a, a big market on the sonar maps, right? But if we're close to those major markets, where does capacity come from? Um, and then saying, hey, because of your either inefficiencies or efficiencies, how far are you away from the major markets? What should you be paying, we call it clean sheet, what's the cost that you should be paying. And as we're getting closer to that, our, at the lane level, recommendation is, hey, this is when you lock in, but don't lock in your whole RFP for one year. Lock in this lane with this provider for this period of time. And whether that's a spot capacity or a dynamic solution or a contract solution, we're kind of being laser focused at the lane level. Absolutely. And the way to kind of watch for that bottom, right? So if retailers are asking you, hey, Dave, Kinko, when is the bottom? When can we expect that? The way to watch that is to watch the movements of what's happened in the spot market and how that correlates to the contracted market. I know that's the next chart we've got pulled up. Um, Luke, you and I talk about this all the time about how one leads the other, and that's how we got yeah. insights. How's that chart looking right now? It's good. I got my crystal ball right behind us. You know, So we're, we're ready to go here a little bit, okay? Uh, no, you're absolutely right. So spot and contract, great dynamic between the two. We're, we're in a little bit, going back to something I said earlier, some uncharted territories here with, in regards to uh, spot rate, or excuse me, contract rates tend to follow spot rates in that three to four month range. Right now, they seem to be closer to that six to seven month behind range. So they're moving a little bit slower uh, than those spot rates. Um, that may change very soon, especially as we are, we're in RFP season right now for, for a good portion of a lot of companies. So we may start to see that shift and catch up and close the gap. But right now, this is what we want to call attention to. And this, is, this was actually in the Daily Watch just a couple of days ago. The dark blue line behind me is contract rate. We're looking at this from a line haul perspective. So if it looks a little low, there's no fuel in it right now. But line haul, contract rates are sitting at a national average, sitting right around 255 a mile. Now, the most important part is since June of last year, they have fallen about just a smidge under 14%. If you look at the light blue line here, that's much lower on the screen. Those since June have fallen by about 17%. Those are spot rates, also line haul on this chart. So you have spot rates that have fallen 17% since June, and you have contract rates that have only fallen 14%. So spot rates are still continuing to outpace those contract rates to the downside. And I think we're gonna see some pretty significant uh, uh, side effects of that in the contract market very soon. Um, but this is something that, that we talk about, right? So capacity is really, really loose. It's really easy to secure capacity. Dave, you mentioned that it's really improved the warehouse side of things. From a shipper's perspective, especially from a retailer and a CPG, I guess, what's the incentive to not tap into the spot market further? I think ultimately the incentive is service, right? Uh, and if you look at most retailers and true retailers, right, Walmart, Target, uh, and in different spaces, AutoZone as an example, right, they're running their own fleets still. Um, and they're going to continue to run their own fleets because of service and because of the needs that they have when they're delivering, whether it's full truckloads or 
you know, a part of a truckload in a multi-stop situation to deliver in the middle of the night, to have unique uh, capacity in terms of racking the, or, or um, yeah, racking that's in the trailer. Um, so those fleets are going to continue to operate. Um, and when they can operate effectively and also then pick up backhauls back into their di distribution centers because there's no wait time, because, you know, the rest of the network is, is functioning uh, at uh, the the desired or the designed way in which we want a, a warehouse distribution center, let's say, to, to operate, the utilization of that fleet becomes something that can be considered. So we're seeing some of that as well that, hey, the fleet used to not take freight because of delays or because freight wasn't ready or drop trailers. Well, now we've got some of those retailers coming to us with their fleets saying, hey, we do have capacity uh, and we're interested in, in, in taking some of that. So that's, you know, I think the other th thing that we see. And the last part of it is, again, spot rates have a different level of service at the end of the day than contract rates do. And if your business, uh, especially, you know, in a retail environment where you've got a lot of inventory, you want to have the inventory on the shelves that is moving, you don't want it in the distribution center not moving, right? Um, getting that into the retailer, into the store, getting it on the shelf, if, if service is important, I think you'll continue to see contract rates being used. Um, but if service isn't important and, and the spot market's going down by 17, 18, 22%, I think you'll see people uh, you know, continue that part of it on the non-critical um, service freight. Dave, let me let me ask you one question here to to alter gears just a little bit. I'm really interested in your unique perspective into the warehousing side of it. Is you mentioned that a lot of that you you guys are looking into that overflow space, right? Warehouses is still incredibly full for you. What happens, I guess, when there's no more warehouse space, right? If that inventory builds up so much, you know, what do you do? You can't you can't turn you know just build a warehouse tomorrow. I guess how how do you think through that? How do you plan for that? Or or is that are, are we moving or are we moving away from that extreme situation? I think it depends on the area of the country, right? I think, you know, we were talking about it actually before we came on the show a year ago, capacity chased, you know, containers that were uh, on ships on the West Coast and they just moved the freight inland, right? I think in some cases they got freight off the West Coast and, and, and tried to get it into, into the network. Um, Today, we have a couple customers. Uh, we have campus uh, solutions. We have first rate of refusal on, you know, temporary space. Um, the challenge that comes with that is, you know, it's, it's warehouse space at the end of the day. It's not been uh, retrofitted or upfitted um, or built out from a, a tenant improvement standpoint to, to handle maybe the uniqueness of being a full-blown distribution center. Uh, we've got some portable pallet racking, as we call it. So it stores knocked down very nice, and then it opens up. And we can go four, six, eight high uh, in terms of storing product that can be palletized. Uh, but then the inefficiency of, well, now I'm down the street. I need to go get a shuttle driver. You know, all of that stuff uh, comes into play. And, you know, what we're seeing is still in the used truck equipment uh, arena. You know, it's expensive. I mean, you can rent a tractor and a trailer, but the cost to do so is almost 2x in some cases of what the purchase would be. But... In the short term, you're having to do that because the lead time on getting new equipment is still, you know, 12, 18, in some cases, 24 months if you're getting something that's pretty specialized. Now, Dave, it, it seems that it's been all good news for shippers lately, right? At least the last year and a half, rates continue to fall. They've been able to lock in cheaper rates. From your perspective, if we happen to get to a point where the market reverses, are retailers at risk looking at service and, and being able to provide and get through that routing guide? Um, I think 
we're all at risk from a service perspective because our most recent experiences is we all tolerated poor service um, and we all blamed it on the COVID, right, or the pandemic. And that's a pretty fresh memory, I think, for most of us. So in the, you know, if, if rates go up, if inventory levels return to normal through retail channels, if consumer demand and credit card spending goes down, actually, right? Because we're putting a lot of people are putting a lot on the credit card. If if we return to uh, some more robustness in the economy, I think we'll tolerate lower service because we've we've recently done that. Uh, I think the ones that win will figure out how to do all of that and still keep the service um, at, at a high level. Um, whether that's the retail shelf being stocked, um, you know, on time and in full in terms of uh, uh, inventory itself being available to be sold. Um, you know, those will be the people that win. And I think you're seeing people like Home Depot and, and Walmart and Target already did it, right? Say, hey, I'm taking my lumps and I'm getting ready for the, you know, the next boom, right? Not the next bust. Absolutely. And eventually spot rates are going to have to hit a floor. We'll see contracted rates continue to get closer. So that gap, in, in our opinion, tells us a lot about what's about to happen uh, in, in the transportation space. And Luke, we'll back, go back over to you. I know one of the next charts we're looking at is that spread, right? Is that mm -hmm. key indicator as to when that might flip? How's that spread looking lately? Traditionally, contract and spot rates are within 5 to 10% of each other at least over an extended period of time. There's always short periods of volatility where we go outside of that, but the rule of thumb is, and the history of the data tells us, that spot and contract tend to move closer to that five to 10% difference range, sometimes to the upside and downside, but regardless, within that range. And right now we're, we're greatly outside of that range. Let's go ahead and look at the chart behind me here. And one thing we're gonna notice, okay? So there's two colors, you have the green here, and then you have the red. The green means that spot rates are above contract rates, and the red means that spot rates are below contract rates. This is over the last five years. So again, you can see a lot of red way back there in, in 2019. I think you can see there quite a bit of it. That's when spot rates were well below contract rates, right? We saw 2019, a pretty soft year. Then, you know, 2020 hits, 2021, even part of 2022, a lot of green, right? Spot rates were very elevated and they pulled those contract rates up with them. And then now we're here, a lot of reds happening because those spot rates are really far below. Now, here's what I want to draw your attention to though, is the number that's all the way there where we are today is 78 cents. So there's a 78 cents per mile difference between the spot and contract rates right now. 78 cents per mile. That is quite significant. We haven't really seen something, and it's been down there for really quite a while, pretty much since June. It's been at that level. And it hasn't been that extreme at any point in the last five years, apart from the initial uh, shutdown of COVID and not anywhere close to it on the upside. So again, it's really the last few months, the spread is the greatest it's really ever been in the last five years, apart from the initial COVID shutdown. So it, that will, those will close down. I really believe that they will. They're gonna get much closer. You'll probably see them in that. 20 to 25 cent range, maybe even less. Um, and we'll, we're, we're gonna start to see some of those adjustments. I think we'll start to see it close off a lot closer in Q2 as uh, a lot of the RFP season starts to come into effect. Uh, but again, you know, right now that spread is, is very, very wide. And I think that's causing uh, some challenges for a lot of carriers, but also some confusion for shippers on maybe how to, you know, where, basically how aggressive to be without being too aggressive and hurting themselves down the line. 
Absolutely. I think the contractor spread is, is very important. Dave, you and I have talked about the direction of contracted rates, how often shippers are asking for RFPs, and it's something we're going to have to keep a close eye on. Um, from Kinko's standpoint, what are, you, what are you guys providing to the shipper in, in terms of communication and service that maybe some others aren't? Well, I think, you know, anytime you can provide more information, right, so take the data points, um, pro provide some information, and then the insight that goes along with that uh, information is key because that's what we try to do then, right, and then, and then build a specific action plan based on that. And I think accept decline is important for us, both from an inbound market perspective and an outbound. Um, that average length of haul that the shipper is from a major market. Um, you know, Zanesville, Ohio, 70 miles from... Uh, Columbus, Ohio, so it's in the middle of nowhere. Uh, we have customers that ship in and out of there, so we know that their next load is is going to be a 70-mile deadhead. So understanding that as part of the overall rate that we pay is important. Um, and, and then I think the last thing is service. Um, you know, we're looking at which carriers provide the best reporting, meaning timeliness of that reporting, and then what is their actual performance, right? So we need to course correct can we do it because we have timely data to make it happen? Absolutely. Dave, thank you so much for joining us. We'll hand it back over to Luke. Luke, what else do we have coming on Global Supply Chain Week? Absolutely. Stay tuned. So next week, uh, tune in. We're actually having the State of Freight webinar with our CEO and founder, Craig Fuller, along with our head of market intelligence, Zach Strickland. And right after this, coming up just after a tiny, teeny little break, we've got What the Truck with Dooner. So be sure to tune in for that. Don't go anywhere. Maybe go to the bathroom and come right back and you'll be able to tune in for him. And he's got a fantastic show for you. Uh, so stay tuned and thank you so much for tuning in to With Sonar's Global Su Supply Chain Week episode. And of course, Dave, special thank you to having you back on the show. We always love and appreciate your insights. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you.